Hello, welcome to another podcast of All About the Bible. We are continuing our Esther series. Um, we're in Act 2, Part 2. We're doing all of Chapter 4 today. Um, we've covered a lot in these 17 verses, and I hope you enjoyed their first session that we did here, and I hope you enjoy the second one. It is filled with lots of good content, lots of good insight, and lots of good uh, thoughts and different perspectives, and that's what we're all here about. So... <laughs> to Esther, Act Two, Part Two. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five people totally here, including myself. So I'm Tyler. I'm Nikaylee. I'm Michael. I'm Nate. And I am Dawson. <laughs> awesome. There we go. <laughs> so we just went, finished last week. We finished, like I said before, Esther, Act Two, Part Two, and it was all of Chapter Four. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this one again because it was a really good chapter and I got some really good notes written down here. So um, I uh, would encourage if you haven't read Esther chapter four and you're listening to this, you probably should read chapter four before you listen to this because it might be yeah, helpful. Nate. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nate, did you do that? You weren't even at the study. <laughs> I wasn't at yeah. the study. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> everyone stay silent for 10 minutes okay? <laughs> you had 10 minutes before we came into here but anyway <laughs> the oh, cat man. was a distraction yep. yeah it was very time <laughs> all right so for the first verses of chapter four is where mordecai tears his clothes mordecai's upset upsetty spaghetti <laughs> oh yeah, he's so very mean. upset. <laughs> Why is he upset there? Oh, because some decree has just passed and now apparently all the Jews are going to get killed and there's confusion over Susa and yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Or in great distress. Or maybe not confusion over Susa but uh um Oh, what's the word again? What was the other word that it meant again? Wasn't it distress? Or like no, it was... Yeah, just or oh, mourning. Embarrassment. <laughs> embarrassment. Yes, that was it. It's either confusion or embarrassment over Susa. Last verse of chapter three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So we're back at at that again. So. Yeah, Mordecai. Mordecai is uh, he's weeping and wailing. He's in sackcloth and ashes. This is a typical. Typical way that a Jew will mourn, and we see it lots of other places in the Bible too. So, mm-hmm. yep, mm-hmm. yeah, we we were talking about ways how how we mourn normally, mm-hmm. and and we don't normally show our emotions very often, I guess. And we we're yeah. talking like, is it a good thing that we do we that Mordecai does, and what's the purpose of his reaction and mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So, well, it says he can't enter the king's gate, so he can't even go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was reading this a little bit before we started here and I was I'm probably jumping ahead a bit here, but in verse 4 it says when Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. And it makes me think cuz later on it it says that she didn't know exactly what was going on, but she was distressed and he's at the end of, at the gates and then she sends him clothes and I'm like, why is he sending him clothes? It doesn't really make sense, but maybe 
she was sending him clothes like so that he could get back into the palace so she could talk to him. Mm. Yeah, because mm. they they wanted to have this conversation we see later in this yeah. chapter. So yeah, and he refused the clothes, and then she was like, "Okay, what's going on?" Like. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> yeah. The grown man out in the street wearing sackcloth, refusing to accept clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it. interesting. Just... Mordecai learns about the the destruction of the Jews before even the queen does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like yeah. she's kept out of the loop of a lot of things that are happening initially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange thing being the queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like anything we think of, like the movies of being yeah. queen. It's completely different from from anything like that. Probably. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like a, later on, it says yeah, it'd be like more like a more important concubine. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, she hasn't seen the queen, the king for three months. Was it three months 30 or thirty? Days. Thirty days. Thirty, 30 days, days. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, even then, the reaction of the news in the palace was much different than the rest of society because you see at the end of chapter three that both the king and Haman were drinking. They were rejoicing over what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And the city fell into confusion and embarrassment pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, well, what's actually going on here? Nobody yeah. really knew what was happening. Yeah, I guess instead yeah. of yeah. instead of uh, mourning, well, I guess maybe that's just the Jews, though. The, the just mm-hmm. the Jews were mourning. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the the rest of the 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 empire was doing. The non-Jews, like how were how were they were they confusion and embarrassment too? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I from the last from the last verse in chapter three, it seems like they are in like confusion and maybe some sort of embarrassment because yeah. I'm just wondering if uh, the city of Susa reacted differently than the rest of the empire. You know. Yeah. Mm. Well, the the decree was that they whoever did that could take away take all the wealth and stuff of the of the Jews that they had there. So, I guess it really depended. I don't know if your relationship with Jewish people in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on how that's you probably true. Took the edict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, moving on, I guess there's we. When Esther sends out, um, I think it was Unix, to ask him what was going on. Um, she ordered them to go to Mordecai to find out what was troubling him. Um, so they went out in the square and by the palace gate, and Mordecai told them the, the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. See, that's interesting. How does he know yeah. how much money Haman promised to the king? Especially when the king didn't even accept that part. And it, yeah. I don't even think it was written in the edict or anything. So how in the world does he know this stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we were saying before he was part of the palace, like working yeah. in the palace. And there may have been words going around. I'm not too sure. But yeah, maybe this is be- more evidence of him working in the yeah. palace closely there. So. Yeah. That would be mm-hmm. my only guess, is that, yeah. <laughs> That's how he would have known. But it's funny that he mentions that even to Esther, the importance of it. Mm-hmm. He tells, because they're communicating with some, like a middleman, and he tells this middleman 
the amount of money <laughs> than to tell mm-hmm. Esther that. <laughs> like, well, why is that def- there definitely must be a certain level of trust, though, between Esther and this eunuch that the- she sends out, especially if they're discussing mm-hmm. yeah. things as of this nature. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess yeah. the amount of money kind of just shows that, like, how we, I think we were talking this last time about how willing um, Haman was to get rid of the Jews, like how mm-hmm. desperate and how, how much he was, how far he was willing to go to, to get this done. It yeah, wasn't it 10,000 silver or so. Was that the price? 10,000 talents, Ten. which is about 12 yeah. million ounces. 10,000 talents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. That's an absurd amount of silver. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of silver, so we know he was desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he sent the decree with uh, with the servant to Esther, and to explain the situation to her. He also asked um, to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So he turned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Anybody else have anything to add? Well, just the fact that he would know. Whereas before, he was commanding Esther to hide her identity, her Jewish identity. And now he's turning Mm -hmm. that totally around and he's saying to her, you know, plead with the king for your people. You know, so she's got to reveal that she's a Jew to do this. So it's just totally, uh, totally turning that around. That's interesting. Yeah. And like he's asking her to risk her her life because she can't just go up to the king without being called for. And so that's uh, that's got to be on his mind too. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a risk. She's risking the death, death penalty for that. Exactly. We were also talking about like the exact time of when this decree was supposed to happen, and that this may have affected the Passover because there's potential that a lot of followers of like a lot of Jews would be coming through there to get to Jerusalem for the Passover. Mm, yeah. Like j- j- during right. the travel stuff because it would have yeah, yeah, during the travel would have taken place or it would have been enacted a month before Passover. And so by that time if people are going to be traveling across the empire yeah. they're probably leaving months in advance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At least yeah, some, some, not all, some, but yeah. some. Yeah, some would be doing that. Yeah, I I think yeah the interesting point there was like if if there is a Jew who is not within the Persian Empire but is passing through the empire at the at the at the time that the that the decree takes place, what I wonder if that's all inclusive for them even though they're not like I don't want to say citizens I don't know exactly how the Persians operated compared to like per se the Romans were like mm. citizens but yeah yeah. Yeah, those are interesting thoughts. <clears throat> Moving on, I guess. Then later on, um, Esther wants to tell, send a message back to Mordecai, and she says she hasn't seen the king in th- in thirty days. And this is where she's saying that um, everybody knows that if she approaches the king, she and the king doesn't accept her time to come come to him, then she may face yeah. the death penalty. So that's a uh, pretty serious thing. Why do you think that she even mentioned that she hadn't seen the king in 30 days? It seems interesting that like after all she hears 
her first instinct is like, well, I can't do anything about it. Just kind of yeah. Well, what do you think yeah. that says about well, Esther, Nate? Uh, well, I guess probably very uncertain given what happened to the last queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I think I think she is like very dependent on Mordecai, and so be, because she's always like listened to his advice and stuff. Now that she now that he's telling her to do something that could risk her life, she's facing some definite uncertainty. Hmm. Yeah, now that she has to make the decision yeah. and do mm-hmm. the legwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, that reminds me that uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, states that Esther has always um, listened to Mordecai, followed Mordecai's instructions. You know, just as yeah. she always did that when she was, when, Est- when Mordecai was bringing her up, following his instructions, so... That is actually pretty interesting where now she is, yeah, has this hesitation. Um, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, it could be that fear of death then, right? It's right there. Mm-hmm. And we're even saying that, like, her mentioning the 30 days may, may be like saying to Mordecai, well, he hasn't called me in 30 days, so he's got to be sometime soon yeah. that he's going to call me mm-hmm. back, right? It can be hopeful. There were two sides like, to the argument. It was like, the, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it could happen soon, or it's like, he hasn't called me in 30 days. It might be a while. It was There were the two sides to it, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. There's two exactly. sides to it. Yeah. Yeah. Come across yeah. yeah, the thirty days, oh that could be like oh it's thirty days, it's so abnormal. Like I don't know when when he's gonna call me, if ever now. Or or the hopeful way, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe she's trying to say like he's lost res- it seems like he's lost respect for me or does he mm-hmm. doesn't or something like that. Talking, trying to talk her way out of it. <laughs> I, I, I guess because he has to, because he has to call on the concubines, or like because he has to call on people for them to be in the presence. You, you would think, you would think, okay, it's thirty days, right? She's the queen, so of course she should be elevated above. But I had just thought because this, because the the concubines were, because these young women were being called from all over the empire, and because they were basically all presented like to the king, and it was like a year process. I wonder how many are actually in that second harem. Because because maybe then 30 days doesn't sound so absurd. It like because let's say he's got like 200 women, right? Mhm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so then there's the time is really uh you're saying Dustin that the time is really distributed among so many yeah. women that that the king would spend yeah. time with sort of thing. Yeah, and maybe she knew somewhat of his schedule. That sometimes, maybe, like she probably would have known how long, she, how often she normally visits the yeah. king, and she could probably have a, pre- a predicted guess of when. Yeah, because she's been queen for four now. years now. Four years. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So she may have a good mm-hmm. guess of when she's going to be called back. Mm-hmm. And I think we were also talking about how those four years really affected her faith from the time where she started that year-long process becoming queen in the palace to this point now and how that would have like being away from her Jewish faith and her Jewish roots would have affected her faith now. And so now she has to truly decide where her faith stands. Does she still believe in the one true God? Is she going to trust him in this situation or where is she going to hide away? And that's really the decision she's facing. She's also been 
told yeah. to uh, yeah. hide the fact that you're a Jew for so long? And how do you practice right. being a Jew exactly. while hiding the fact that you're That doesn't really work for that religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a really mm-hmm. good point, Nikaeli yeah. and Nate, yeah. together now. It's just like... Because, yeah, this, yeah, these four years could have been really affected her negatively, her faith negatively. You know, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Especially the fact that she has, she had to have been... Or she, yeah, she was hiding her Jewish identity where she was told to. So yeah. be, and like, it'd be hard to, to practice when you're hiding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and even like... Being... Doing... Go ahead, Nikaeli. Okay. I, I was going to say that'd be one reason why Mordecai would want to be so close to Esther. To continue to encourage her and support her and make sure she doesn't lose that faith mm-hmm. by working at yeah. the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was even thinking like here she's told to like keep to her faith to herself and keep it like down and and not let anybody know about it. Mm-hmm. And it seems so opposite to the world today where we go to church and we're like we got to spread the word of God. We have to like preach his name in the street, right? It's kind of, it seems I, I so opposite to, like, the different mm-hmm. when you look at it that way. There's not really much in Judaism from what I know that actually calls them to go out and proclaim what, what would be the law, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. The, the time is, and at this time too, you think the Jews only thought they were the ones that for God type of thing, right? That was probably, right. That's, may have been something yeah. that was set in their mind. And that's what I was going to yeah. say too, is that it's not, we can't really yeah. compare it to us today. Like, if no, we're if we're tough. told like oh keep your faith a secret like it's not the same as Esther being told keep no. your Jewish identity secret because that's yeah. a different thing like mm-hmm. that's her culture that's her it's like it'd yeah. be telling yeah. us to keep if you if you like telling me to keep my Mennonite background mm-hmm. a secret you know like <laughs> which yeah. which well I mean that's a lot easier for me to do but it, maybe it's like keep yeah. keep my Canadian nationality a secret that's what it'd be like you yeah. know. Yeah, being in a different country and keep that keep that a secret. And, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, I, I don't understand that at a different time, but it just seems so weird. I just wonder the, the extent <laughs> she went to. Way. Like, if the eunuchs made pork for her one day, well, what did she just say? I don't like pork. <laughs> like, I guess I don't. Well, <laughs> well, see, that's the that's the question though. Is 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 uh, yeah. was she still trying to follow the the Jewish customs and stuff? Or did she just mm-hmm. uh, give up on that? You know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. could have. Yeah. I mean, this is you're right. That's a good example, Nate. Where she's in like this Persian kingdom in the the citadel of the king. I mean, we can imagine that there's going to be like pork or other non-kosher things yeah. served there. So I yeah. mean, <laughs> did she just just totally give in and just like it didn't really matter to her and just give up on kosher laws? in her life or did she actually try to follow and try to hide that following? <laughs> yeah. That's a good that's point. The king point. called her on a Saturday. Like, I don't know if I like, think, I guess seeing your husband <laughs> isn't, but <laughs> isn't work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's probably still allowed to see her husband. <laughs> as long as it's not too far to walk, right? From yeah. her, from her quarters to the the king's quarters. It seems like a gray zone only the Pharisees would care about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is being a queen her job to be married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I think we've covered that point pretty good. <laughs> there's, there's, yes, indeed. There's no, 
there's no picking that apart anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Mordecai sent this reply back to her um, after this, saying that don't think for a moment that because you're in the pla- in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at the time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from other place, but you and your relatives will die. That's pretty powerful. Who knows? It is pretty powerful. Yeah, it's interesting, just like yeah, he's so in he... sackcloth and just how hopeful he is that like he knows that God's going to save them, but he's still weeping and mourning in sackcloth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows the importance of mourning and showing your emotions, though, too, right? Because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he he said to Esther, "Do you think do you think Esther thought that because she was maybe in a position of being queen that she wouldn't be able to be touched?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if Esther even thought that. I mean, we kind of talked yeah. about that before, like with her response. She's just like yeah. trying to push it aside. Maybe like maybe she's just that's yeah. why she responded that way. She's pushing it aside and and she yeah, uh, yeah just like didn't care because she's like, oh, I'm safe, sort of thing. It could have been that, but yeah. But it could have been mm-hmm. just uh, she didn't think she was safe, but she actually just thought, oh, yeah, I could go and I could just be killed if I stand before the king without him calling me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that's scary, too. That's a that's a fact of dying, or that she'd be killed there, too. So she'd be afraid of that, too, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, it, it, it's, would know basi- what would it's basically do nothing and die, or do something and possibly die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Mordecai probably knew that Haman, like we were talking about the relations mm-hmm. between them and their history. He may have known, maybe hadn't have known, but he may have known that their history and that would have, would have happened. But he also knew that how much silver he was willing to pay to kill all the Jews. So if he knew that that guy was so willing, he thought Esther is not safe either. Mm-hmm. He's willing to jump every hoop to get rid of all the Jews in or that, that area. eventually he'll mm-hmm. create be towards Esther and it's probably not hard to convince the king that his wife is bad hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the thing that's really interesting is the yeah. fact that like well let's say let's say the 30 days is not just like a coincidence due to however he like plans his calling it women but let's say that 30 days is actually him just not calling her for a long time it's like well does she think that the respect that we initially saw that he had for her is that enough is that mm-hmm. enough for him to actually listen to her because if if she's treated the same as any other concubine what is what is her word compared to compared to just any compared to even like one of his units? the rest yeah yeah mm-hmm. But we see even when she was selected to be queen, like she, she didn't fly. She basically mm-hmm. flew through that with flying colors, and like mm-hmm. she, she was yeah. definitely picked the favorite. Mm-hmm. So there was like there was some sort of respect, and it wasn't her personality played a big yeah. part into that too? I bet yeah. just of who she yeah. was mm-hmm. would have played a big part in that. So I think the king would have had respect yeah. for her. It, it, it's to it's some just degree. a matter of uh, the mm-hmm. the point I was making: is that respect enough for him to listen to her? Yeah. yeah, and and yeah. I think mm-hmm. you're saying too, Dawson. Like, does Esther think that's enough, mm-hmm. or does this, does she think yeah. that that respect is still there after yeah. these four years? Yeah, 
or not? The honeymoon phase. And and (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but yeah, she's Esther. Certain looks like appears to be having doubt now in that in her ability, and maybe even in her the king's trust in her. Yeah, and, it, and Mordecai just like plain out says like, "Why else are you queen? Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be a reason for yeah, it, right?" I, so mm-hmm. he, he I, I tries to paint a clear that, picture that for her. Belief and deliverance will arise from another place, and the com- and the comment that I think Mike oh, yeah. made mm-hmm. it was like a, it was like how like, yeah, shoot, it was like here. Uh, was I can I can see it. So it's pretty amazing. Just this verse here is the closest that the author could ever get to mentioning God. Um, we, we know that this book, God is not mentioned, not prayer, nothing sort of religious like that is ever mentioned in this book, which makes it kind of a peculiar book in the Bible. But uh, so this, like this verse is definitely the closest the author ever gets. And, you know, to a Jew that would read this, it'd be, it'd be like really interesting because when, when the author's writing, deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Well, in Jewish tradition, like rabbinical tradition, one of the names, they have lots of different like names for God. In fact, kind of more orthodox, in more orthodoxy circles, they don't like to mention his name ever or write it down or anything. So they'll say they have these different ways of referring to God, like like the name Hashem is just, is just translated to the name. And so they'll just say Hashem in place of saying like Adonai or something like that, which is yeah God. And um, but another one is Hamakom, Hamakom, and that, that's translated to the place. So it's really cool because one of the names for God in Jewish tradition is just the place. And so then the author's writing, well, deliverance for the Jews or arise from another place so i think when a yeah when a jew will read this be like oh wow there's god right there right <laughs> yeah yeah god will provide right that's kind of the thing like he's provided them for, for them in the past going through egypt and mm-hmm. yeah, provide for yeah. them now too in a way like mordecai has that has that faith that god will come through no matter what yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that might be an encouragement to esther being like you know, he's going to come through like he, he's there. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got to step out in faith and do something. Right. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's pretty neat that this is the only place that like the closest that we come to seeing of God in this whole book mm-hmm. of Esther here. It's mm-hmm. that's, that's gotta be something. Yeah. I find that absolutely remarkable. And to that Mordecai also calls out to Esther saying, who knows what you have, that you have come to such a royal position for such a time as this. And kind of implying to her saying, God has chosen you to be here in this moment. Are you going to act on that opportunity yeah. he's giving you? Yeah. 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 He's giving you a great opportunity. And what are you going to do with it? Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, a I guess we, thought. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dawson. I was going to and and there um, in his statement, he doesn't really any leave any room for her to like squiggle around in because it's either, it's either as he says right away, is it's you either go to you either go to the king, you use this opportunity, or you and your family die. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I love, yeah, I love how crass he yeah, is. Like, pretty much. He's <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, even in our faith, in our like modern faith today, when God calls us to obedience, there's no beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. He gives nope. us a command, and either we obey it or we don't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, just, I know we were kind of mentioning this last podcast, but I guess, what do you think the reason for off, the author's omission of any sort of kind of God theme, or like even just saying God, why do you think his reasoning for omitting that? Well, I think it's to to really have us look at the story and just see um, how do I put it? It's it, uh, the omission of it just really heightens the fact that he's there. Yep. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, because yeah. this is an author writing a story. It's a true story, but still, like, writing like a beautiful kind of like poetic sort of story you know what i mean you write you write stories you try to make it sound nice and and read nice sort of thing and and this is just kind of one of the elements of the story is just omit omitting god just really um heightens the fact that uh he is there in the story and uh and also it's awesome because it encourages us to to try to find him and look for him in uh, I think uh, in I think too. a really good point to that is uh, actually from one of Chad's most recent sermons, the one he did on Good Friday, and he, he had made mention that um, you know when people are really down and out, when he was like in like his really dark times, you like a lot of people cry out to God like God, where are you? And then when you when you get through it, you don't realize in the situation, but when you look back, you realize that he was there more than ever. It's so hard to see him in the moment, but God is yeah. always there. Yeah. It, it, but it, I just, yeah, it, I just it, love it, how... Oh, sorry. No, I, I, I was going to say, it, it's the exact same as in Esther. Just because God is not mentioned, just because you don't see him directly, he's always working in it. He's like in every little action and every detail. You know what I mean? So... And I love how mm-hmm. Esther is right beside Job, where it's like the complete opposite of like storytelling. God is an actual character oh, yeah. in the story. <laughs> and we're actually in the throne, yeah. throne room of God. And it's just like such an interesting, I know like that like the position of the books in the Bible isn't like crazy, but they must have done that for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we see that Esther is in this position of power and that Mordecai is trying to convince her, well, maybe not convince her, but tell her that God's put you here for a reason and he's calling you for calling you to do something basically in plain sight mm-hmm. and encourage her to go for it. So, mm-hmm. um, And I think a key question that I think Michael asked when we were discussing this is what is the harmony between God's sovereignty and human responsibility? Because it's yeah. talking about how God's will will be done no matter what. And so then in that, why does he use us and require obedience from us regardless of that? No kidding, you know, because Mordecai is saying, yeah, well, God's going to make a way anyways. So why does he even bother to encourage her to do something? Or 
in Esther's case, in her position, why does she even have a um, uh, motivation to do anything about it? Well, if God's going to do it, then okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. just sit back and do something, God, right? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. if you're going to take care of it, just take care of it. You don't need me, right? Yeah. This this really shows how God wants wants us to be involved and wants a relationship with us in a way too, I guess. Because he doesn't mm-hmm. want us doesn't want it to just do the work. He wants us to do the work. Which is with him. With him, yeah. But I love how Mordecai doesn't word it like that. He doesn't say, Well, if you won't do it, someone else will do it. He'll say you can be part of God's plan or you can be against God's plan, but either way it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. He does word it like that, yeah. 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 So you yeah, can be does. yeah, you can be a part of God's plan or not, you know, because either you do yeah. this or you and your family are going to die. Is what he says. Yeah. Basically, he's mm-hmm. saying like you can be a part of God's plan and die, or you can not be a part of God's plan and still die. Yeah. Like, the yeah. what's the better option here for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I no, that's a good point. A step back, though, I like that. That would like if you just um, picture yourself in the situation. That's a very hard choice to make. Like in in in, in terms of in terms of like looking it at the, like looking at like from a from a perspective where maybe you're in Esther's situation, your faith is on the rocks, and you're basically asking to do something that could result in your death. Like it's that's a really yeah. hard decision to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I'm I'm not downplaying her decision at all. Like that'd be really tough for anybody to be in that. Mm-hmm. And and she has every right to question and try and and try and dodge around it some way but Mm -hmm. for Mordecai Mm -hmm. there's no other way (laughs) I mean that just shows his faith sorry like he's he uh, he's he really loves Esther there's no no doubt about it and seeing her putting her in this position probably just hurts him too but Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. just as much as it would hurt Esther so Mm -hmm. and you can kind of see that as she's questioning that she's wrestling with where she stands with her faith and it's not as if she's completely lost it either, or else she would have probably denied or just pushed away the option completely. But here you see her go through this tug of war in a sense of choosing to be courageous, essentially. Yeah. As she's yeah. choosing to be courageous. Yeah, that's what we go into the next chapter here and said, or the next verses is And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. I like the role reversal here. <laughs> and then I like the role reversal here. What's that? The fact that typically it's been Mordecai. Yeah, I know. Hey, quite large statements and telling Esther to do things now is completely reversed. It's almost like it's almost like even though it doesn't explicitly yeah. state it, like yeah. the spirit has empowered um, uh, Mordecai hmm. to basically move Esther to make these big decisions. Yeah. Hmm. And yeah, now it almost seems like the spirit just came into Esther and gave her not confidence, but like mm-hmm. courage, decision making, courage and ability. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and Mordecai has always been telling Esther what to do now, mm-hmm. like even beforehand, right? Yeah. And then now it's Esther telling Mordecai what to do. So it's like she has this vision, which is yeah, she really stepped up in just whereas before she's just so concerned and and hesitant, yeah. and and then it's just like yeah. She made her decision. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to step in faith. I, I need you to, to yeah. fast for me, and, and I'll fast and, too. And... Yeah, it's like a light bulb just changed in her. Like something, like from one verse to the next, it was completely different. I think different. something that definitely a lot of people can relate to is when they're like in these, they're trying to make these faith-based decisions. They're not sure which route to go. 
and then all of a sudden it's just it's just in one moment yeah. you just feel there's an answer and you just go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes it happens fast. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you, you just know what it is and you go for it and and let God lead the way in that sense. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that she asks everybody to to fast for three days. But what really is funny is that she asks she says that her mm-hmm. maids her and her maids will fast for three days. Like mm-hmm. her maids, are they believers? Like what would, what would they think yeah, the best are asking? It, 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 it's interesting because this. they're probably, mm-hmm. I mean, it's you just... would think they're probably not Jewish. They're probably Persian or of some ethnicity in the empire. But yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that also shows like the, uh, the trust that she has in her maidens yeah. or maybe the, the level of respect that her maidens have for her even that they would, that they would follow through yeah. with her for this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously they trust her because they're mm-hmm. talking between Mordecai and, and Esther, and they somehow they know they're related somehow, and yeah, they haven't revealed that to the king you would, either you would or think anybody that maybe, else. Actually, from the perspective of a servant, that through this through the communications that they've probably yeah. picked up because by now Morde- it's obviously known that Mordecai is a Jew, so they've probably picked up based on the communication that if like yeah. those servants that are probably really close to Esther are probably also aware that she is a Jew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he told them that, like, basically, somewhere in he, in this chapter, like, you have to go to the king and like, yeah, fight for your people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and just just saying that yeah. makes them know now so, that Esther yeah, is a Jew. So, so for, like, for her servants to basically take that stand with her shows is is a pretty empowering move. Yeah. Well, and it seems like it might just be household yeah. dynamics back in the day, because like when mm-hmm. you go into Acts and. The centurion is baptized with his entire household, so like slaves and all. Mm. You would assume that would mean like every single person that like lives and cares for him. And I guess it's just kind of a different kind of household mm-hmm. dynamic than we think of. We don't really have households where slaves are a part yeah. of it and servants. Yeah, people that aren't within the family are in the household, yeah. I'm also wondering if if fasting is weird or is normal to Persians. We don't really know that, do we? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, how would the reaction of the servants be in that sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But obviously they did it because she said they, they would, so... Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming well, they, she's they got control over them, like authority, command. Yeah, she's got command so. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another interesting thing is that in this instance of fasting, like usually in the Bible, prayer is included with fasting. Yeah. But in this instance, you don't see prayer specifically mentioned mm-hmm. in the passage. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we said um, Esther fasted and her attendants are doing the same. Mm-hmm. And we just said like fasting is like a time to like focus, not just like sit there and not eat. It's just a time to f- sit there and replace that time focusing on God and like mm-hmm. really seeking out his will. In a sense. Yeah, that's definitely what the Bible teaches fasting to be for us as believers. Yeah. And probably as Jews too. No, I guess I can't really say what it meant for Jews, right? It's going probably yeah. growing closer to God, but uh Yeah. And in some way, yeah. Yeah, it could be very similar really to wearing sackcloth too, just a a more social display of your disdain or your mm-hmm. your sorrow. 
I wonder how many. I wonder mm-hmm. how big of a task yeah. Esther is actually asking Mordecai here. Like, I wonder how many Jews are in the are in Susa. Because because, oh, okay. because if yeah. it's like if it's like well, let's say because yeah. obviously the Jews that are in Susa would be well aware of the decree because it's already been known to the city as of the end of chapter three. But it it, it would yeah. be interesting to like think. Okay, well, I, I mean, I guess one thing that would be interesting is how big of a city is Susa to begin with. And then, and then, how big that population is? Because yeah. it, it'd be like, what if if she's telling him to gather, to gather, um, hold a fat, basic, yeah, basically gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. It's like that could be quite a task to try and get all, try and get all those Jews together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is 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 it fifty yeah. or is it like a thousand? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a task. And then fa- I'm wondering too, like, what is what do they actually mean by fasting? What does Esther mean? Like, it's it's written here: do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Is that no water? Is like, does that not include water either? You know, or is it just? Yeah. Is it, is it not saying? Is it, when they say fasting, do they mean? Oh yeah, we'll have water too, but just not anything else. But yeah, yeah, that'd be tough, especially like working and all that kind of stuff too yeah i I imagine they'd be doing something at least unless they're doing it on i don't know what kind of days off they have but (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they i'm sure they do a lot of work so like not eating and not drinking for three days yeah i would assume it'd be drink wine like not Mm -hmm. to drink wine for three days or some sort of because i don't not drinking water for three days like she might perish (laughs) yeah yeah i know i'll I'll even looked at that a little bit like how long can a human last without water and depends on the body and the person and but generally like you know a couple of days they say is is as long as one will last without water so mm-hmm. and not to mention that right after she fasts she goes straight to the king on the third day yeah yeah it's yeah. the next chapter there yeah. so she needs strength to actually go yeah. before the king Himself as well. I, I think honestly, yeah. in, in verse sixteen, there or yeah. at the end of sixteen, there probably one of my favorite parts, just to show her like her, almost like this like new profound faith, just mm-hmm. to the statement. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Like she has, she has faced it and made mm-hmm. that decision. And it yeah, is mm-hmm. it set in stone. Yeah, yeah, and and we see that Esther and Mordecai mm-hmm. have just become more more bold now than ever. Like, but. Yeah. This is a situation for them to be bold now. Mm-hmm. Like, act now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for the good of their people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess to close it all off, like, I guess we end it off every chapter like this, but where do we see God in this chapter? In this act, in this part? The place... Yeah, yeah. He, the he is the place where deliverance for the Jews will yeah. come from, if mm-hmm. not from Esther. Mm-hmm. And and in this chapter, we can now see why God see God working and putting Esther in this position for this certain time mm-hmm. to be used in this time. Yeah, we can look back a specific reason. We can look back now at like the beginning of the book, chapter one. It's like, well, why why did uh, Vashti ever get the pose, and like if that ever. Yeah. You know, if that didn't happen, would Esther be queen? But you know, if that if she's not yeah. queen, then would she be able to save her 
people or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it, yeah. It just, just, a, yeah, exactly. just, I don't want to get yeah. on a, so. a rabbit hole, but I guess just as a side point to that, would that have even, because it almost seems as if like, uh, I think we had discussed it on the last one, but it was just like, uh, was Haman's response, uh, th- that really brash response to just like to, to destroy all Jews, was that particularly in response to was was it Mordecai's decision to not bow to him that sort of set him over, or was it just that long-standing thing that was that that was, had just like he had finally decided to do it? Because like w- whether or not Mordecai's rege- like his refusal to like submit to him actually played a part in that. Well, if Esther would have never became queen, Mordecai would have probably never come across him on in that way, like like in, in the court or anything. Yeah, maybe he wouldn't have like mm-hmm. been working at the king's gate because yeah. he didn't need to be close to Esther. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not the way we know it went. It went this mm-hmm. way. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just we're just seeing God at work here and putting people in place and building courage and boldness and yeah uh-huh in mordecai and esther and mm-hmm. preparing them for this this specific yep. time and both definitely their lives seem to, more to save Jews. than they ever have been so far mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 and and one thing is they've you can i'm not really compare it to jesus but like you can see they they they've laid down their lives and put their own um i guess put their own like intentions and their desires aside to, to serve God and to, to, to live out his will in a way, mm-hmm. which is kind of what Jesus did for, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's, yeah. she's made the choice that if like, if she has to die to save the Jew, she's willing to do that basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I, I I think we covered it pretty well, and appreciate you guys all coming out and <laughs> putting your own opinions down. <laughs> we're at and we're at one hour well, already. Surprising or not? So. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it's the last. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> no, I couldn't have oh, wrapped it up better. That that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no. So what's your outro, yeah. Tyler? Bet, so. hmm. Every podcast. What do you want it to be? <laughs> you got some oh. cool music yes. or something? <sighs> Maybe I was just gonna throw Nate in there and yeah, Nate, you should do the outro every time. time. Hey guys, <laughs> yeah. don't forget to like and subscribe and just like <laughs> smash whatever podcast-related bell that you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get notified of every new episode that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're on spotify and a whole bunch of other ones i i had a look through we had can't remember what they are though but maybe i read less up nice. next time right <laughs> you, you can you can find this wherever podcasts yeah, are be, found so. <laughs> or wherever tyler knows yeah. podcasts can be yeah. found <laughs> <Probably>. exactly yeah <laughs> I know we're on Spotify for sure. <laughs> yeah, this has been another episode of Tyler Talk. All right. Wait, what, what's this actually called? <laughs> oh, okay. All about the, All Bible. About the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Get it right, Nate. <laughs>
Yeah. I guess as the outro person, I should know what the <laughs> podcast is called. <laughs> no, I think I think it'd be more interesting if you just came up with a new one every week. Yeah. Just a new... Oh, there we yeah. go. That's yeah. talking. Just throw it in there. Who knows if you add your cat into it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tao Tao's had some input too, so. Well, he, <laughs> you never he made himself him known a few times. So. <laughs> he went from one side of the couch to the other, yeah, just leaping for my mic. He was taking a leap of faith. <laughs> Well, Nate. Uh, yeah, on. this has been uh, uh, all about the Bible. <laughs> That's about it, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I'd just like to thank. <laughs> another, another, <laughs> this has been another episode of Esther Act 2, Part 2 on All About the Bible. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Like and subscribe. Oh, you can't really like, but subscribe. Keep listening. And we'll catch Bye-bye. you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See, I told you you could outro. Okay. <laughs> See ya. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Have a good night. That was a beast. Well, I already did my <laughs> outro. We have two outros in there. We just kept on talking after the outro. That's true. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to keep it all in there. because It's easier, easier than editing. It's easier than editing. Are you going to keep this part, too? <laughs> yeah, I'm not editing any. I'll edit the beginning out, but that's it. I don't touch the end. <laughs> Let her go. <laughs> oh, we hit an hour officially. Yep. <laughs> on yours, mine's sixty-one mine's a... minutes. And oh man. Minutes, oh yeah, I guess so... I came in later. Yeah, we've been on here long. <laughs> What's yours? That fifteen Mike? minutes. Yeah, so that's about what we're at. Fifteen minutes. Hmm. We started when Mike came in. So. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, thanks for coming, guys. Let's let's end it here. Well, you're not going to edit it anyway. So. I want to edit out the end. <laughs> oh, no, Take care. All right. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>